don't want nobody seeing me with you. You ain't got no time for me until you do. Always lying, why can't you just tell the truth? It's only one reason that I fucks with you. You got the best sex. Oh boy, you got the best sex. As for the rest, That was just Best Sex by Peppermint, who's our guest today on the show. Welcome back to Alec Mappa, a hot mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor and comedian. I live in Hollywood and I just had Botox. <laughs> and you look beautiful. And, yeah. I'm Matt, and I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a multicultural counselor and your resident psychotherapist. Yes. And this, this is the podcast where we solve all of your problems right one here. hot mess at a time. Look at my forehead. Look at that. Look, it's beautiful. Look at that sheen. It's just Younger a beautiful crisp time. sheen. It's a sheen. I'm Charlie Sheen. But, How do you um, feel? Do you feel beautiful? Do you know what? Every time I get it, people are like, you don't need it. I don't see the difference, but it's for me. I got <laughs> yes. I got a movie. I'm doing a, I got a, a low, uh, a low budge independent rom-com mm -hmm. where I, I play the best friend of two girls who are all in their mid thirties. Uh-huh. Okay. So you want to look like a girl in her mid-30s. I want to look like a girl in my mid I'm going to be wearing, see, I'm very self-conscious about this line on my neck. So I'm going to be wearing turtlenecks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> well, you're looking great. Well, thank you. And, and also, ironically, our, our show today is about self-acceptance. It is. What a perfect topic. I know. I, I accept myself with Botox. <laughs> I actually, th I think it's totally fine. I think anytime that we want to do anything for ourselves, even mm -hmm. if it's just kind of like a little nip and tuck here or there, I think it's fine. I don't think that, I don't think those kinds of things are the issues for us in terms of self-acceptance. It's more about just kind of what our intention is and how much are we weighing on these things, you know, right. like a dominating force in terms of feeling better about ourselves. Right. So just make sure we got the right balance, you know? I'm not up at night worrying about the lines in my forehead. <laughs> I'm not like a OCD about it, but I'd like uh, a girl likes a little freshen up before yeah. she uh, uh, does a movie. Do you, remember, do you remember the first time you ever did anything? Um, yeah, I did Botox a couple years ago and I was, I was like one of the last outliers. I'm like, yeah. I'm Filipino. I'm Asian. That's my Botox. I'm going right. to look like this till I'm 60. And then like a rubber band in the back of my head is going to snap and everything's <laughs> going to pop over. That's how it works with our yeah. people. Just keep a high pony. I did it. Um, cause uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jeff, uh, who's wonderful. I want to have him on the show to talk about it at length. Um, sure. he's really, really talented cause he's a doctor and he's not, he's really, uh, his aesthetic is, I don't want you to look different than you are. Cause right. if you look different, then I, I haven't done my job correctly. Right. And there are a lot of estheticians who just kind of like, whatever will pump you full of whatever. And you'll just look like Jocelyn Wildenstein. You'll just have a weird. <laughs> was it a big hurdle for you the first time you did it? Like, was there a bit, was, did you have to overcome any kind of preconceived ideas, notions, no, judgments about any of no. that? You were like, I'm ready. Let's just do this. Yeah, let's do it. And All I right. did it. And I was like, holy mackerel. I love <laughs> this. And again, nobody noticed, um, but right. I felt better. And it was, yeah. you know, for my own edification. Exactly. Uh, yes. My friends in London hate it. 
hate it on you or themselves? Yes. yes. They look, you look weird. You don't need it. Darling. You don't need it. Like, because they let their, you know, well, first of all, they don't care about their teeth or their yeah. faces. I mean, they just, you're supposed to let your face wrinkle and just kind of. <laughs> so many generalizations. Today. I know we've just lost the UK. Um, no, they're my dearest, dearest friends. And you know, they're the kind of friends who will tell you to your face. Like, how do you, okay, so how do you find the right balance? How are you riding that fine line to know that you're not overdoing it and that you're not over-investing into that kind of stuff? Um, I have, my husband is a, is, a, is an accurate mirror. Uh, he okay. will, like, in, like for the past 19 years, he will tell me, stop. Yeah. Or what you're doing is weird. Like I, yeah. I, when I was going through my midlife crisis, I practically had an eating disorder. And okay. I was on that fast all the time. That, yep. that, uh, that uh, lemonade and cayenne pepper fast. Oh, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was not in self-acceptance back then. And I got so skinny. And all of a sudden, I was like, I don't need food. I yeah. don't need food. And I, I never got anorexic with anorexic people before. Like, huh, who cares? You know yeah. what? She doesn't want to eat. But all of a sudden, I got really OCD about food. Like, if I eat this, this will ruin it. Or, you know, and I also <laughs> felt very empowered by not needing food in a super unhealthy way. Well, it's all about control. And, and if we're struggling to know actually within ourselves what we can do to make sure that we're feeling better about ourselves, more confident and more authentic in genuine ways, mm -hmm. which by the way is very hard for us in the queer community, right? Because we grow up believing that our internal barometer and who we are inside authentically is not okay. So we mm -hmm. shut that down. And so we default to so many of the other things externally to give us our, our sense of worth and you know that we actually still have a seat at the table and so we can feel valuable which is why there's that whole stereotype for all of us that we spend way too much more uh, time. Oh yeah, like, no, I was not cultivating my character. My yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, body, body dysmorphia, it's real. And especially again for us, I actually had, um, last year I had an incredibly bad sty in my eye. Um, I had I, one just a, a few weeks ago too. A couple weeks ago. I know, so I'm prone to styes, but I had a really bad one last year and I went into a doctor and, you know, had it lanced or like had the, like the little surgery, had to, had to go back, I know, had to go back in a second time and then I wind up having this scar on my eye for a few months and my eye has just like never totally been right since and I'm of course the only one who ever notices it right mm -hmm. but for you me you don't feel hot anymore do you feel like <laughs> I've, I've been disfigured I just hate it it just feels like puffier to me anyway I know that yeah, I'm you're pretty my privileges over you're pretty okay, privileges right, over Matthew it's done that. <laughs> but I went to a doctor because uh -huh. I just wanted to see like is there anything that I can do and he was just like yeah, you can stop thinking about it. This is body dysmorphia. <laughs> he was just like, I, he's like, you're not totally making it up. I can kind of see it a little bit, but just let it go because there's not really yeah. anything that can be done about it. I mean, 20 okay. pounds up, 20 pounds down. My husband never cares. I mean, he honestly never cares. Yeah. But he'll go, you're fat. I love you. You're thin. I love you. Mm -hmm. Lie down. Mm -hmm. So um, with this all ties into self-acceptance. We're incorporating more questions from our, our fabulous oh, listeners. That's right, yes we are. Uh, and this man. one is, this ties in, let's let's talk body image. This is a whole show. As gay men, uh, <laughs> yes. we have such terrible body image, porn star bodies. And uh, what do you have yeah. to say about that, doctor? What's the question? <laughs> uh, let's talk, it just wants to talk about body image. It's not a question. I think that if you're if you're talking about body image or you're obsessed, you feel that, th that you feel that that's your only value. Yes, of if course. You feel that's your only value as a human being, my body, which is this thing that's going to inevitably deteriorate. You're yes. in big trouble. It's time now, while you're young, to cultivate who you are on the inside. Yes, because if 100%. your personality is a two, you're a two. Yeah, totally. If you're if you're relying on everything else externally, you're going to be fucked. But to be honest with you, even just you know, even if you still kind of like hold a standard of beauty, or you know, you are getting that kind of praise and acceptance. 
there's really still going to be levels of anxiety that can exist within us, right? We're never fully feeling stable. We constantly have to reach out and make sure that other people are approving of us. And it's something that we call kind of our locus of control is so- Locus of control? Locus of control. It's external to us. Meaning where is it that we look to, to have a sense of our safety and security in the world? And for a lot of us, our locus of control is primarily external. What are other people thinking about us? You know, how are people viewing us? You know, do do I project, you know, success and appeal and value that to other people? And if we do that and we're constantly relying on things outside of ourselves, then we keep spinning and searching for, you know, the next- you know, hit of approval and attention I know. to feel good. And so that's why, like you said, Alec, it's important for us to turn inward and cultivate that thing where we're able to get still, turn inward, understand what our value is, really be able to make sure that we've got the appropriate thinking around it so that then when we are putting anything out into the world, it's an expression of what we already feel is good enough. Not that we're trying to put it out there so we can get something in return, like attention um, and validation but it's just so that we can offer it to the world. So that means that we have to, you know, um, cultivate that, but it's really hard again for all of us in the queer community, especially Mm -hmm. we've grown up believing that who we are inside isn't enough that it's broken and damaged. So Mm -hmm. we that much more pump everything out to the external and it only continues to kind of perpetuate this bullshit narrative within us that we're not okay. And everybody else has to approve us. I know. And, and you know, and as a former, as, as a recovering sex and love addict, I, I, I can say that that kind of thing, like looking to the externals, the locus of uh, locus of the day of the locusts, what are we doing? <laughs> If we're locus. looking for thing, if we're looking for approval on how we on the appear, outside, then exha- that's an external locus of control. It's an exhausting way to live, yes, and not it only is. is exhausting, it's never satisfying. No, yeah, as somebody not. who's been on a, 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 a 30, 40 Atlantis cruises, yeah, I have never met a gay man with a hot body who thinks he's hot. Yeah, but listen, but I think it's worth acknowledging that it is satisfying. It is satisfying, but it's in a very short term kind of like hit, right? It's like you get it for a temporary period of time. If people say that you're attractive or suggest that if people are paying attention to say like your comedy, like it feels good. You get a rush from it. It feels good. But But as soon as they pull out, it's like, do you like me? (laughs) Exactly. It's not sustainable. (laughs) It's not sustainable. On that note. Yeah. I'm um, so excited about our, our guest today. I Matthew. am too. I am too. I know. Superstar. So, so excited because she is an actress, singer, reality star. She's an activist. And you may know her from being the first out trans contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race, of course, where she finished as runner up. She was also the first trans woman to originate a principal musical role on Broadway. She played Pythio and Head Over Heels. And if that isn't enough, she has just released a new album called A Girl Like Me, Letters to My Lovers, which is the first in a trilogy of album releases that will come over the next year. Holy cow. We just watched the new official video from her first single called Best Sex. Ha cha cha. And let me tell you, it was steamy. Let's bring on the one, the only, the legendary Peppermint. Yay. Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, Hello. look at you. You How look so great. You? By the way, Peppermint, you're automatically my favorite guest so far because you're the only guest who has a fan. You have a Beyonce a fan on you and you about. are looking stunning. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's just take a moment to take all of you in with okay, this fan. Yeah, that beautiful. is like, I, I watched your video, uh, Best Sex. I, mm-hmm. I already love the lyrics, obsessed, because uh, you get Thank the best you. sex. As for the rest, next 
because I yeah. am a, I, I am a recovering sex and love addict. And um, I was with a lot of great guys who were amazing in bed and just terrible, terrible people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be uh, widespread. And maybe uh, this is goes to goes back to what you were talking about earlier with self-acceptance. I think, you know, I, I happen to believe and I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm not alone that like all of this trauma that we've experienced really does pass on. And it will certainly pass on to the person you're having sex with tonight. Yeah. Oh, really? I so I've traumatized a lot of people. Is what you're saying. <laughs> Sex like has been a traumatic experience. <laughs> is this autobiographical? This song? The song is quite autobiographical. I probably I haven't uh, officially registered, but I probably do uh, fit the the bill for for someone who's a sex and love addict as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's a little bit of a blurry line sometimes, especially in the queer community, when our relationships aren't always validated and and we're, and we're looking for a certain type of validation. Yeah. But yeah, casual sex is a thing mm-hmm. in the hookup mm-hmm. age. And I was in a very um, bitter state of mind. I was convinced myself that love doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's just go out and have a good time and... I'd actually kind of, I had a long story short, I had a crush on someone, I had a little bit of, I'd gotten rejected, turned down on a date, based, not a sex date, but like just somebody wasn't into me. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling, I was in my feelings. I was like, well, let, let's start swiping. Um, somebody's going to, let's find out who's going to get lucky tonight. Right. Yeah. And that was kind of my state of mind. And, you know, I've had other encounters in the past for sure. And they've all been like, you know, I don't want you to stay, but even if you did want to stay, like, you're just, get out. Like, that was fun, but get out. Like, that was always how it ended. Oh. And I, <laughs> unfortunately, overnights are rare. And I think part of that is, like, I have a wall up, and I don't want anything mm. more. If I'm like, this is just going to be good sex. This is going to be, like, I've had my feelings hurt, so I need emotionless yeah. sex that's just devoid of anything and maybe even devoid of the amount of respect I deserve. And yeah. so that's what I'm focused on it being, even if it's not going to be that. I'm like, no, 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 we're talking. Because I said this was, I was looking for emotionless. And yeah. so I had one hookup. Uh, this was a couple of years ago. I had a hookup and he, you know, came over. I'd just been rejected. And mm-hmm. um, and so I was looking for a hookup. He came over, he was running late. And so I already had a reason to be angry at him. <laughs> but I was like, you're late but get in here anyway, because <laughs> <and, laughs> I'm already ready. You have angry and, sex. <laughs> yeah. And he came over, and it was honestly the best. I don't know if it was angry, but I was, like, angry in the beginning, but I was like, oh. And it was, like, wonderful sex. Hate and then sex. I was like, okay. Yeah, it was hate sex. Yeah, and I was like, we okay, had, my husband out. and I had hate sex after Trump got elected four years ago. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I thought we were going to shatter the windows. Like, it was, <laughs> yeah. The gays are destroying the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, long story short, it ended up being the best hookup I'd ever had up to that point. And we ended up in a relationship for over a year. Okay. Uh, me and that person. And in my, I, he was, I was like, get out. He's like, actually, no, like, let's stay, let's talk. And he was like, and he was asking me what I think about things and wanted to know how I felt. And it was like, I was like, what is going on? Like you were an actual yeah. human being instead like of- Like I was a person. And instead I, of a and hole with, a, with good hair. <laughs> Hello. Yes, darling. The wind was blowing. He couldn't take it. Uh, <laughs> so where do you think you're at now? Uh, now, I think, I mean, I'm certainly out of, I'm, I'm out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. And uh, I'm definitely 
to say that I'm that I don't ever have to think about um, you know insecurities and and process self acceptance that would I would be lying. But I definitely mm-hmm. am in a situation where I. I think I've just, you know, I've grown and I've mm-hmm. learned from that relationship. It was one of the best relationships. Mm-hmm. And it was re- rewarding. Um, it had just as many things that I'm thankful for as things that were painful by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Overall, I'm really grateful for that. And that experience allowed me some stability to know that, okay, you, you can't just get it when you want it, but you can, it is out there. It is possible that love is possible. I was in a very secure relationship for a time. It yeah. obviously went awry, but. But you know, it's possible now. I know it's possible now. Knowing that that relationship started exactly. It's interesting. Cause obviously we're talking about the video that you just made and the song, obviously best sex. So that relationship that you were just talking about too, it started with just kind of a hookup and then it led into something that turned into this kind of nice relationship for a year. What, what did you take away from that experience? I honestly, I took away, I didn't know it at the time. I, I, right after the experience, right after the breakup, I was uh, devastated and heartbroken and upset and, and resentful and all of those things. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I guess that one experiences during the morning process. And then I ultimately had all of this gratitude and all of these things to say. And so I basically put my personal journal to music and that's Mm -hmm. how I ended up with this entire album. Our relationship lasted a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I had a nice beginning. It started to get a little interesting towards the middle, and then the end was crash and burn. Uh, and and so I wanted to create a body of work at all of that, the beginning, middle, and end of the relationship. And so that's like a jail. Yeah. <laughs> 2200. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's like the, the, the sex thing. I, I love the video. It's so good. But it's 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 the thing is like with me, the sex edition was about like when I was coming out, I was 14 years old. I was a skinny little Asian boy. Um, and all of the predominantly pornographic images were big white guys. And I felt like Mm -hmm. if I wasn't that, I was ugly. So anytime somebody had sex with me, the validation and the rush of that Mm -hmm. was so amazing to me Mm -hmm. that anybody Mm -hmm. found me busy. To me, it was like, oh my God, it was like, you know, winning the rush of the sex was so incredible to me. And then the longer it went on, the more I realized I was numbing myself out from all the things that I needed to look at within. Mm-hmm. because the what was happening to me was I was like the I was in the addict phase of you're having more sex and it's becoming less satisfying mm-hmm. yeah that was, yeah that was the phase I got into like yeah. or I would have sex with somebody I'd be like oh, I didn't need to do that I didn't you know I'd, and then finally I was with somebody who was so demonic that I was kind of like it was really like a mirror of my self-worth like right. the longer I'm with this person I'm affirming that I hate myself that's the point yeah. at which that right the minute before that sentence is the song best sex uh, okay. oh. the moment before that i know that i mentioned like having met my partner through that encounter yeah but really best sex is all about that search all those people that flipping through the rolodex before that and realizing that like whether it's a one night stand or your regular your uh-huh. old faithful who comes over who who you already know <laughs> yeah. has no redeeming qualities and you don't even like this person but yeah. you're allowing them into your be- into your body mm-hmm. yep and it's like dripping with self-loathing and all of those things you talked about uh but you know 
we end up doing it because a lot of times we don't see any other options. And especially as trans people and trans women, we're in a particular place where our partners, our sexual partners, mm-hmm. uh, are often come into the space with that frame of mind already. They're bringing the self-hate, the loathing, the closetedness of oh, one, yeah. not wanting anyone else to know that they're right. uh, into yeah. trans women uh, for fear of being labeled gay. And so they have the shame. And that ultimately always gets passed on to the, the lady. <laughs> or right. the and it endangers person. you. I mean, those are really perilous situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has there been anything that you've been able to um, be more aware of or learn to kind of keep an eye out for if it's more of that kind of shit that can come up with guys that you're going to meet or date or hook up with? Well, I mean, there's a protocol, like, you know, always make sure you text your girlfriends the face and like who's coming over. Right. Mm-hmm. I met this dude on on such and such. And then half the time they're like, oh, honey, Johnny. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm you know, yeah. and so that's that's a comfort knowing that he might not be a murderer. But the, by, the sa- by the same token, you're like, oh, well, can't even find anybody who hasn't slept with all my friends. Right. Uh, because our, our dating pool is extremely small. Yes. Yeah. Madison calls that a safety plan. She's like, that's that's what she Mm -hmm. talks about on her platform, that if Mm -hmm. you go out, don't go out with a bunch of guys you don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. Let your girlfriends know where you are in order to, you know, not get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. That's part of it. And then there's obviously recognizing the red flags, uh, you know, because all of these folks... I mean, obviously, we're t- ultimately we're, we have to acknowledge that, you know, uh, with 33 murders of trans people so far this year, yeah. that many of the murders are at the hands of our intimate partners, like mm-hmm. intimate partner violence and people that are uh, who are in sexual relationships with us. Yeah. Uh, more often sexual relationships that are casual or or sometimes they're, um, you know, kind of a uh, transactional uh, client, you know, relationship right. or it's right. a sex worker. Uh, not always, but. Those many of those relationships end up turning dangerous, but it's not because the person just wants to kill the trans person. It's because the person, the murderer, would rather kill a trans woman than have anyone else know. And so those situations are really dangerous. But all that aside, there's still really toxic situations that we end up in. I've had of talking to all my girlfriends, I've and we've slept in common with some guy. I've heard stories about others. Uh, you know, there's this one guy, won't say any names, who who is notorious um, and has seen all the girls who uh, where he, after sex, wants to, like, cleanse himself so severely that sometimes oh. bleach is involved. You think he's friends oh, wow. with Donald Trump. And yeah. the... I, I was know, with a religious guy who used to pray after having sex. Yeah. We've oh, had he, would, he would kneel and then he'd kneel again. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Uh, crying, one uh, vomiting, like all the entire, you know, I mean, and how do you, and what do you, what is a person supposed to feel? That happens to you. You have yeah. to, that's awful. Well, but you have to pay attention to obviously, you know, first and foremost, your, you know, kind of physical well-being, physical safety, keep an eye out for red flags on that front. Also keeping an eye out for whatever kind of emotional shit somebody else might be bringing in as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's what you're letting in, but it sounds also, um, like the song, you know, best sex and kind of the intention behind it is also about like checking in with yourself and what's your intention. It, am mm-hmm. I doing this as a means of escaping? Am I just trying to get validated and numb out from what, whatever kinds mm-hmm. of maybe insecurities I'm feeling, or mm-hmm. is this actually just about sex positivity and having fun? So mm-hmm. for you, how are you able to determine which is which? 
I'm not sure that I can ever make a decision that it's one or the other. Sometimes it's a mixture of all of those things. And right. mm-hmm. I, I would like to hope that I'm always sex positive. Um, and I'm, I try to have that approach. Yeah. Uh, I am kind of old school though. So sometimes, you know, the old school lady's like one man only sneaks into my head. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, guys, please leave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I'll, but then there's also like, you know, there's also the, the, the feeling of if you can't beat them, join them. There ain't nobody trying to get married right. around here. None of y'all are asking for marriage and I need to have some fun tonight. So let's yeah. do that. There's yeah. that. Uh, and then there's also, you know, kind of submitting to like, okay, well, maybe I am only worth having sex with, but nothing more. Right. And that's not because of my my own worth as a human being. We live in a world right now that really doesn't validate trans people and trans bodies. Yes. Particularly trans bodies that are that are not that have not had operations or surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're not in a world that really validates or uplifts or values those generally. That's the next frontier. T.S. Madison was saying the big next thing will be because she says there are a lot of men who identify that's a sexual orientation on the if it's a spectrum. There are men that want to be with trans women specifically. Mm -hmm. And and then the whole spectrum of trans women from pre-op to post-op. I mean, all different kinds of trans bodies. And he said the next the next frontier is for men to be open about their orientation without any of the um, uh, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And the, the younger generation, my son's generation, all of his friends, and he's he identifies as pan. Like, yeah. wow. He, he's like, he had a trans uh, a girlfriend Pardon. last year uh-huh. who identified as female. Uh-huh. At, his, at his school and um, like the kid, and they're really militant. They're not like, hey, Pan, I'm free to come out. Like, they're like, this is who I am. I don't want to be limited. I do- I'm like, okay, easy. Right. But, um, <laughs> there's, there's a whole different generation coming up of where they are like, I'm Pan and thank it's, God. It's cool. Yeah, totally. And and how great, obviously, you know, the more that we keep talking about these things, the more visibility that there is, the more openness. Can we just fucking like drop so much of the labels and the need to identify in all of these different ways? You know, it's obviously it can be helpful in some ways, but otherwise it's like truly just like fucking love who we want to love and have sex with whoever we want to have sex with and not have to so rigidly define everything. Yeah, but even then as queer people, our journey is all about undoing the damage. Yes. It's always about yeah. like, all right, yeah. let me take apart all the things I was taught to hate about myself. Yes, totally. And I think that we oftentimes do the work. I think that, um, you know, that clearly there's toxicity in, in every corner of the of the queer community, uh, every dark nightclub in the corner. But yeah. there are, I think there's at least some, to some degree, gay men are, are at least under, can understand that the, that work is available and ready for them when they're ready to do that work and that, it's on the list of things. I think lesbians and bi folks and even some pan folks maybe, but for some reason, people who do not even see themselves as a part and like having anything to do with it are the partners of trans people, particularly the, the cisgender heterosexual identified men yes. who are into trans women. Many of them, they don't even think that they have, they're, they're, I'm not queer, I ain't got nothing to do with that. That's not yep. me, I just like what I like. Yeah. And there, there's still damage that needs to be undone. And so the reason why I, part of the reason why I created this album and this body of work is because I needed, I had something I needed to say to get off my chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a real vulnerable track, a Carol King track, one of my favorite uh, yeah. songs. <laughs> Will, Will you, you still, still love me tomorrow? Love me tomorrow? Yeah. 
And that's kind of like the flip side of that, like that encounter, that best sex encounter where they spend the night and like, oh my gosh, like you're still here in the bed, what's going on? And then all these questions come. And I think that that's universal. We all ask those questions Mm -hmm. after a great night of sex with somebody that we just met. I was always told to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I had to be told to leave, get out. Like I got a real busy day. Or, you've been here more than 20 minutes. It's time to go. Oh, have we had sex before? <laughs> yes. On that float where we met and gave Oh my God, that's yeah, true. We, we were on a, a bed. bed. <laughs> um, how did it feel, real quick? Um, I, I, we, I, I gotta ask you, how did it feel to be on Broadway eight shows a week in the Go-Go's musical Head Over Heels? It felt amazing. It was it was great to be a part of history. Not only uh, was the the the, ro- the casting of my role that I was in was an, an historic moment, but then the I think the musical itself was just honestly the queerest Broadway s- musical that I've ever seen. It was just like every every well, gender. Queer and Broadway usually cancel each other out. So yeah. <laughs> um, and and so it was wonderful. I got to we got to meet the Go Go's. They played with us on our opening night. Uh, um, it was spectacular and a dream come true. Thank goodness that we were able to to do that. I mean, on one hand, I'm really glad we were able to do it a couple of years ago. We closed last year uh, mm-hmm. before, you know, uh, so many people being out of work uh, due to yeah. the pandemic. But on the other hand, I really do think that, uh, you know, I think that the world has just made a paradigm shift with regards to a lot of social issues, obviously during 2020. And I really do think that uh, we would have been such a hit had people gotten to see us maybe next year uh, mm. because there was just so many really kind of forward-thinking progressive things that the regular Broadway audience, a typical Broadway right. audience, though, were just wasn't ready to, to encounter. Right. Ahead yeah. of its time. I hosted the first uh, transgender dating show on World of Wonder. I watched it. And it was, I think it was a good 12, 15 years before its time. Yeah. Like now would be a great time to do that show again. Perfect. Yeah, now would be a perfect time. You could be the Bachelorette. Hey, hey, hey honey, shoot. Let's yeah. go roll Let's of wonder. It. Let's make that happen. <laughs> I'm obviously single. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, you don't have, um, oh, wow. What did I want to ask you? I always pry into your personal life and you always kind of pull away. No, <laughs> I'm pretty open. Yeah, as, like, as a queer person, what yes. were your intimacy issues? Or are your intimacy issues? Um, I mean, I think, you know, something that I've been learning about myself even kind of more recently, which is surprising to me is Uh just how much of kind of commitment issues I have had throughout my life. And you could have never told me that in a way that I would have believed you or agreed with you uh, up until probably more recently. But the math adds up to that conclusion. Yeah, because in the way that I saw things was, is I really put myself out there, you know, not just for sex, but also for dating. And I really tried to make myself as vulnerable as I can. And, you know, I committed myself to certain relationships. But when I really reflect on it, I realized how many people I was chasing and how Mm. many people... I was dating, but still like grasping for their attention, knowing that these people who didn't have the capacity to be vulnerable in a way I wanted. So it was very Mm. convenient for me then. So then when I actually started to meet people, you know, kind of more recently, when I started to meet people who actually did have availability, I would start pulling away and I could feel myself. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was kind of, uh, it's been more of my own journey of really having to check that instead of chasing after other people to show up and be vulnerable. It's like, oh, I have to really realize how I'm doing that now myself when I'm, when I am with people. I missed out on a lot of good sex in college with guys that really liked me who were, when somebody liked me, I was like, ooh. 
Let's and it's go. also like when, yeah, when somebody really likes you, it's kind of just like, oh, well, why? There's something wrong with them, right? Like maybe they're not, maybe they're not cute enough or maybe yeah. they're not smart enough. And right, right. You'll you find your own shit onto those people who love you because you don't love you. This has become a recurring theme on the show that, that, that our, our inner compass is a magnet that draws to us the people and situations that yes. reflect how we feel about ourselves at yes. all times. Yeah, 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 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. And getting to check in with our intentions for kind of like all of the things that we're doing, which is actually why I love having this conversation, especially about best sex, because it has such this kind of like air of intentionality. Like, why are we doing the things that we're doing, whether it's for hooking up or whether it's dating or really anything? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? What is my intention here? Is it so that I can get attention and validation from other people? Or is this actually just an expression of, you know, kind of whatever I'm legitimately feeling kind of within me right now and like the joy and the love that I could be feeling within me? This will give you plenty to talk about in your brand new television show, Translation, which is going to be, is, is it airing now on Out TV Go? It is airing right now on Out TV, right now, uh, Out TV Go for, for folks in the U.S. and then internationally uh, on TV or I don't even know. Tell uh, us all about it. It's basically like a transgender version of The View. It's uh, uh, four trans women. Myself, Carmen Carrera, Jiggly Caliente, and Sonique, all formerly wow. of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, four diff different women from different walks of life, all trans, and uh, sitting down and talking about the, the issues of the day. And we finished, uh, we wrapped season one, which is airing now, and we will start production on season two in the new year. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, that's such a great concept. Do you feel that sisterhood, that kind of sisterhood with other, you know, uh, trans women who have the shared experience, is that empowering for you? It is. And I think that's really been the secret to my, you know, um, I can't say success, but personal success. I'll say success. Uh, and, and, and maybe even outwardly. Um, I have a really close group of, of girlfriends. Uh, we call them the COTS, the Council of Trans Sisters. And we are uh, <laughs> extremely close. We are each other's support system going on more than 10 years now, 15 years, and uh, seeing each other through, you know, moments in our medical transition, through obviously relationships, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and everything in between. And so uh, having that support system, especially as queer people, you know, we talk so much about chosen family. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that don't understand queerness, let alone the trans experience and how yeah. to be there and show up for someone who's, who's trans. And so this that's something that we provide for each other. So the other gals from Translation, we, you know, we met each other through RuPaul's Drag Race, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, but I've known them, many of them for years. And we also have a very close bond and it's, it's just great. We have this camaraderie, even though we don't have 20 years of like calling each other every night. We have this camaraderie instantaneously because of the experiences that we've had. Mm -hmm. You're the uh, you're the Halle Berry of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race in terms of trans uh, representation. You opened the door. You were the first out trans. I mean, because a lot of the uh, contestants uh, come out afterwards. Right. Yeah, or on the show. And, you know, it's really tough to kind of qualify everyone's individual experiences. But I was out, I came out, uh, I, so, I was so terrified to come out for the first time on national television uh, on the, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah in April oh. 2016. And uh, prior to that, I had already started my medical transition and been out in, to my friends and family and everybody who I could talk to mm -hmm. since 2012. And so the producers at RuPaul's Drag Race, they, you know, they were aware of that. And that was kind of common knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so my 
walking into the show, uh, I think was a little bit of a different experience for me than some of the other gals who mm-hmm. uh, came out as trans during or, or even after. But it's just great to know that there's so, it's so interesting when with all the talk about drag and drag race and should trans people be, be allowed to, to do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, is, you know, it's so interesting because there's so many trans folks Go who girls. have always been, you know, we've been uh-huh. around for a decade, for a hundred years. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, you go to any drag show across America, there's always a, a team. Yeah. Yeah, 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 always. And they're amazing. I mean, yeah, one of my best friends, Calpurnia Adams, started out as a showgirl in Nashville. She's legendary. Mm-hmm. And there it's it's kind of and also, you know, I, I did a lot of um I've done a lot of fundraisers at the start of COVID for the um the Black Trans Coalition, the Trans Law mm-hmm. Center, mm-hmm. It, because I feel that Black trans women, and this is this is factual, have been the most vociferous allies from the very beginning, and they're the people who were thrown under the bus immediately. And we're all here because, and we have the freedoms that we have because Black trans women were throwing the bricks first. Yeah, it's it it it's never it's definitely not lost on me, and it, it that's the one thing that's really sort of affirming and reassuring because it is really easy as a queer person, but definitely as a black trans woman to feel this isolation uh, and loneliness in our communities, especially at the beginning of our transition or the beginning of our mental and emotional journey and transition. And then, Mm -hmm. and so to know that we have the lineage uh, that I come from a long line of strong, even maybe not blood relation, but Mm -hmm. strong trans women who have uh, always been pillars of the, of, of the community and pioneers in their own right. Uh, it's really affirming and, and it feels great. And so hopefully, um, I just really hope that there's like some young trans kid who listens to, well, maybe not that young. Some well, listen, I, I have to thank you. I took my friend's kid who had just started identifying as non-binary mm-hmm. to uh, the uh, drag con. Ah. They were a little thing and you were so kind and, and they were like this big, 11 years old, and you got down on your knees and you like had made eye contact and you were very generous with your time. And I, mm-hmm. I have to thank you for that. It made a huge difference to them. That, that means a lot to me. Yeah, those, those are the interactions that are obviously the ones that I could seek out at events like that at DragCon. Of course, talking to any of the fans and they'd be like, hey girl, but being able to, <laughs> for, you know, it's no, it's no mystery. It's not, certainly not a surprise to me that young trans kids are coming with their families and they just, they, they, I'm sure they enjoy the whole thing, but they never, they always stop off at my booth and that makes me feel great. Mm-hmm. Wow. You must get a lot of that. What would be your advice to your younger self? You know, it really is go, I guess my advice to my younger self would be, you know, you're really on the right path and, you know, the sooner you reach it, the happier you might end up being, but uh, you know, it's not about, what anyone else thinks. And this ties back to what you all were talking about earlier. I think so much, especially for trans people, not to harp on that, but it's definitely true. So much of of how we value ourselves as trans folks, especially trans women, is really just a mirror in other people's eyes, like how how they see us and whether we're, you know, feminine enough or passing Mm -hmm. enough and how how we survive in the world and go through throughout the world, whether we get fired or not from a job, if someone knows, whether we can go into the bathroom and like just go to the bathroom in peace without being accosted, 
if mm-hmm. someone can detect us or read us as trans, what laws we're on, a lot have a lot of those have to, what laws discriminate against us, a lot of those have to be have to do with how detectable and readable we are as trans, how passable we are or are not. And that is really terrible on a person because you know, the truth of the matter is, and I've, I've even heard you mention T.S. Madison say this, no one is ever 100% passable. Like someone is going to know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to say no one looks good or doesn't or shouldn't try or do what they want to do. But, you know, one of the things that I'm really grateful for um, at an earlier age, whatever I was doing, even though I had a journey to follow and it wasn't always the smoothest, my family, something about my family and how I was raised really did instill a sense of self-worth at mm. an early age. And there was a moment in time where I was like, yeah, I'm trans, but I'm never having surgery because I don't want it and I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some things have changed. Anyway, the point is <laughs> <laughs> that that was where I, how I kind of came up. And I'm grateful for that because I definitely know other people who, were, who are trans who years ago, uh, before we had all this Instagram and all the, the way to communicate on the internet, oh, before mm-hmm. we had the internet. Uh, that that they were like so focused on just having surgeries. If I can just have surgery, my life will be better. Nothing will be good until I can get Mm. X, Y, and Z. And that was, I thought that that was, I felt for that person, for for people like that, you know? Not that that's a bad thing, but I just hinging on that one procedure. Yeah. Yeah. And and the truth is there is, so the message for myself and all trans folks who are younger uh, about to embark on whatever journey they're going to embark on there is no path and there definitely isn't a finish line. There mm. is no finish line. Yes. You will yeah. be in transition for the rest of your life. You mm-hmm. will be working on yourself, inner and outer, yeah. for the rest of your life. And it that's has, genius, and Matthew. That's yes. our new catchphrase that she's just, we, that's, uh, that's going on a t-shirt. There's no finish line. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I love that because that it's all about everything that you're saying. It's all just about process. The whole fucking journey for all of us is always about process. Obviously, specifically when we're talking about the trans experience. And I think anybody can relate to what you're describing in a general sense to some degree, which is just that everything is a practice, constantly daily showing up and checking in with ourselves and finding ways of being loving and nurturing mm-hmm. to ourselves and not looking to external things as some sort of finish line. Like, you know, if I just get that one last thing of Botox, if I just get the surgery, if Wait I just get, if I just, just get, like, if I just get my you. eye fixed. <laughs> oh, all of us, all of us. Okay. All, all, of, us, all of us, all hey, of us. Um, yeah. No, it's weeding the garden. Like how we tend to ourselves and, our the garden. Health and yeah. how we love ourselves. You are weeding the garden and there is yep. no finish line because those weeds, I mean, they're, they just come back again yes. and again and again. again and yeah. my therapist said the healthiest you could ever be is when your stuff comes up or when situations repeat themselves, you can mm-hmm. recognize it. You can say, yeah. this is my stuff. That's the red flag. I can kid myself and go, well, let's, let's do this again. Or you can go, no, this is, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. That's, That's all right. I got to say yeah. about that. I could, I want you on the show all the time now. You're amazing. I would love to come back. You're welcome back anytime. Where can people yes. find you on socials? I want people to go out and buy this album, download it right now. It is wonderful. Yes. The representation is fantastic. You, the video is really hot and steamy. I'm going to watch it for a bit after this. Yes. yes. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I you like need some cleaning and some lotion. <laughs> the one with the tats yeah oh he's well stay tuned for him because uh if people uh well i have a we we just filmed a short film 
which is basically the album in a film version uh, wow. and it's narrative and people will be able to see myself and one of those hunky fellas that's in the yeah. best sex video as my lover through for throughout the course of the relationship right so we actually get a uh -huh. chance to see all the points of the relationship right. in the meantime people can pre pre-order the vinyl copy if they like really love the Ooh, album because uh, <laughs> that will be available uh and actually the pre-order is available now the vinyl copy will, will be shipping limited edition only 200 copies so get it while you can uh in december that ships and of course, there's going to be music videos for uh, some of the other songs on the album. But yeah. people can find out about all of that on uh, Peppermint247, which is all my socials everywhere. I love what you're doing. I love yeah. the representation. I think it's so important, all the trans women out there, to see you having a good time and yeah. just get, getting your groove on it. I love you. And I'm, I'm so thank you so much for being on the show today. My yeah, pleasure. thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Bye, honey. Bye. There is no finish line. There is no finish line. I love that. I love that there's no finish line and weed the garden. I love both But I think that's the thing. People think with, um, you know, it's like you you don't like stop going to the gym. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. I love that. Most people don't even equate the two, but it's so true. They're, they're exact parallels that when you go to the gym, you're working out, you're working out to maintain your physical health and you have to keep going to the gym in order to do that. It's the same thing for ourselves emotionally, whether you're going to therapy or doing it, any other kind of like internal work, you have to keep weeding the garden. You have to keep going yeah. to the gym. You have to keep checking in and taking care of yourself. There's no finish line. Right, right. There's times with my therapist where I'm like, I can't believe we're still talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> the number of times I hear my own clients say that too, and myself also. I've been so with my it. therapist for more, for 12 years. Wow, that's a long time. Years. I think the, the longest client that I have, I think is around nine years. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your, what is your, um, uh, what is your hot message for the day? I just, well, you know, that just, she blew me away with this. There's no yeah. Oh my God, it was so good. The finish line I love. I guess if I had to add anything, I would just say intention. That being the key word, takeaway intention. We always have intentions for why we're doing what we're doing. Just we're not always conscious of it. So if we can just check in with ourselves and ask, why am I going to do what I'm about to do? Right. At the very least, we're starting to take a moment, take a beat to get curious about that stuff. And then we can start to maybe make some new decisions based off of being more conscious. So intention, check in on intention. Yeah, intention. That's like self-accountability. And I really do believe, and I, I have to clock, I have to check myself all the time with it, that everything in my life is a reflection of how I feel about myself. 100%. My relationships, like if you, my therapist once said, just take the other person out of it completely. How is it making you feel to put yourself in this situation? Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like it's it's the magnet. Our 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 self, our self-worth is a magnet that will just pull to you the situations that reflect how you yep. feel about yourself. Wow. We I think okay, that's solved. Self-acceptance is solved. <laughs> we did it. Did we get to the finish line? We did it. We got everybody's cured. <laughs> Where can people find you on your socials? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MJ Dempsey Psych and Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. You can find me at Alec Mappa at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find us both at the Hot Mess Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We also want to let you know that this will be our last episode of 2020. Can you believe we made it through? We'll be back in January 2021 with brand new guests. So until then, we wish you all happy holidays. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.
This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.